Hi guys and welcome back to the Weekly Live podcast. I am Lucy Evans and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you live a healthier and happier life physically as well as mentally in a way that is realistic and most of all sustainable long term. It is my mission to humanise the female fitness industry and I love that you are here with me on this journey. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of your weekly lift. This week we are joined by a lovely guest. Her name is Annie Ellis and she is a fountain of knowledge when it comes to perimenopause, menopause and how that can affect your relationship with nutrition and exercise. So sit back and relax or pop your headphones in and enjoy listening whilst you're on a walk because today's episode is filled with so much value. We cover things like myth busting, barriers that you may face, how you can overcome these barriers and manage your menopause journey in the best way possible for you. Um, And even if you aren't at an age where you're experiencing these symptoms yet, still listen to this podcast because it creates some amazing awareness about what may be to come and the more you can educate yourself on the topic the better you will be able to handle it when that time may or may not come for you so let's get into it and chat to the lovely annie ellis okay so welcome to the podcast so for those who don't know you do you just want to start by telling us a bit about who you are and what you do Yeah, so I'm Annie Ellis. I'm a certified nutritionist, behavior change and mindset coach with a, well, my background is in biochemistry and genetics. I've got a master's in that. So I'm very evidence-based and non-bullshit. So (laughs) I don't know if you can swear on this podcast, but if you're into that kind of approach, then come and find me. Um, So yeah, and I work with women in their menopause transition or who might be starting to approach perimenopause, who essentially feel stuck in their fat loss journey and want to see fat loss progress again that they can sustain without restriction, get their energy back for good and feel confident in their bodies again. That is essentially what I do in a nutshell. Nice. I'm really excited to have you on actually because I have been like watching your content for a while. I always put anyone that like, is struggling with their own menopause symptoms in your direction. Um, I'm very much an advocate of losing weight in a realistic way, but I love how you then tailor that to kind of menopausal women. Um, and it, menopause isn't something that I specialize in or even have experienced myself, but I do have a lot of clients that are maybe starting to experience symptoms, are already going through symptoms. So really trying to like familiarize myself with, what they may be going through and how that I can help them further but also just excited to gain your perspective and hopefully we can kind of create that awareness through this podcast as well so what is your background with menopause like what actually made you decide to want to specialize in that area um so when I first came into this space years ago I was predominantly working with women in their 40s and early 50s And I remember um, this moment with a client, right? So it was quite profound, actually. But she was really struggling with feelings of anxiety, feeling like she'd lost herself. Um, I remember her describing to me that she just, she felt like she was a shell of 
who she once was. And she sent me an infographic off of Facebook of what it feels like to have anxiety and depressive symptoms at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then based on the other symptoms that she was experiencing, I was thinking perimenopause. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not a medical professional. (laughs) And so my advice was to go and talk to her GP. But she was finding it really difficult to get the support that she needed. Her her GP was very dismissive, um, basically just gave her antidepressants. um, But she felt like like, nobody was listening, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a turning point for me where I just thought, I have to become the support that these women aren't getting. I have to be the source of knowledge that just is not available. And this was before, you know, I, there's been a massive boom in the menopause industry, right? Um, yeah. After Davina's podcast and things like that, like that saw a massive upsurge. And then obviously don't get me wrong, people have been talking about this for a long time and trying to put the voices out there. Um, but this was before that. And so it wasn't even like really, really mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um And I just thought, you know, sounds really extreme, but that I had to dedicate my life to providing women with a safe and compassionate space to share their feelings, their symptoms and be met with empathy and not just be dismissed. Yeah. And so I spent the years after that, basically just gathering all the information I could, being trained in menopause support, um, hanging out in menopause forums and menopause cafes just listening to women and learning everything I could because yeah, like I'm not in menopause myself. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. Do you get asked that much? Like, uh, not so much now. Cause I talk about it a lot in my content, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was always a question I did get like, what, like why, why menopause? And I was like, this is why menopause, like, you know, this, this is my story. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, but I mean, also because I know what it's like to feel unheard, uh, like unsupported and like quite frankly, just lost um, yeah. and alone when it comes to women's health. And around the same time um, that I was getting trained in menopause and started to really deep dive into that and basically angle all of my kind of scientific background towards critiquing the research in menopause and kind of establishing all of that, I was experiencing a really rough time with my hormones. Right. So I'd been bleeding for six months straight um, whilst doctors were trying to figure out the cause. My womb felt like it was on fire. Um, I couldn't have sex. My libido had honestly just dropped off the face of the earth. And so my relationship felt like it was in the pits as well. Yeah. I was tired all of the time. Um, I felt like I'd been hit by a bus. I couldn't focus on anything. Um, I was rageful, snappy, and my hair was falling out. Right. And I, t- I, I was told that the NHS wait list to s- just see a gynecologist was 60 weeks. So and I was just, just like, I feel like that for 60 weeks. Forget <laughs> like, it. I, I'd already been in that for, I think eight or nine months, maybe longer at the time. Yeah. I think it was longer than that, actually. Was it 60, 60 more weeks? I was like, you can forget it. Um, so I booked a private consultation with a gynecologist that week. And I had a differential diagnosis on the same day. She put me on her wait list for surgery, um, which she said was about three months, ended up being five. Um, So that wasn't too bad. But I finally felt seen, right? And, you know, then I was in surgery and I was essentially just riddled with, (laughs) that was literally the word she used as well, riddled, riddled with endometriosis, like everywhere. Um, Because one of my other symptoms was like incontinence. Like I could not, 
I was up all night, every night, because my bladder was just like, just triggered. And this is, that's a menopause symptom as well that some of my clients do experience. It's really tough. Um, And so I understand that like, it's, it's really scary not understanding your body when, when things that used to work no longer do and things start to feel alien and they're changing. It's really, really tough. Mm. And that's also partly why I do what I do. And that's why I went down the route I went down. So women don't have to go through these things alone because they shouldn't have to. I mean, if we spoke more about menopause when in school or you know all we got was like an hour on periods and yeah. that was the awkward thing ever um and that was it and that was when I think that was when we were in year five I was <laughs> 10 years old <laughs> like oh and and you know if we were to, if I mean, do you know what I went to an all-girls school as well right and so and we didn't get anything like that like I didn't even know what menopause was my mother never talked about it so it's just like any women's health issue or condition is just like this unspoken thing that's just so mysterious until you get to it and you just feel like no there's nobody to talk to nobody understands yeah there's Um, such a lack of understanding for sure which like you said makes people feel alone yeah yeah and so you know obviously I've worked with hundreds of women now and yeah I and it's it's being like when I'm in the menopause space it feels like it's being talked about way way more right because I'm in the online space everything I see is menopause related like every research piece of research I do is a menopause a new menopause paper so to me it's like we're starting to get somewhere but then I'll meet someone just casually like out and about and they're like, oh, I know. No- I think I'm in perimenopause, but I know nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, God, when you when you remove yourself from your own menopause bubble, you realise that actually we've still got such a long way to go as well. Yeah. Um, and that's why like these podcasts and stuff like this, so just so valuable and so helpful. So thanks for doing this. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's something I'm really passionate about. Like in the sense that I'm very aware that it's a problem for my own clients and. You know, I I think the more people can be educated on it, the more you can learn to deal with it. And yeah, so I think what you do is great. Um, So um, I wanted to start with a little bit of myth busting um, because like you said, there is so much stuff out there and so many people are uneducated on, on it or unaware. Um, and sometimes I find by the time women come to me, they are just so confused by what they need to be doing, what they've heard, what they should, shouldn't be doing, whatever it may be. So as somebody who specializes in that area, what would you say are your top three most frustrating things that you hear that you wish people knew weren't true? Uh, all right, so number one, um, <laughs> that there's something drastically different that women in perimenopause or postmenopause should be doing to lose weight, or that there's some sort of weight loss code to crack, right? There simply isn't. I chose this myth because it encompasses so many other myths, like yeah. in it, like, and and social media make it it makes it sound convincing as anything, right? That these coaches, um, you know, these health professionals 
are so good at tapping into your vulnerabilities. They're so good at marketing, right? Mm. Um, But things like that you should be cutting carbs because your body doesn't process them the same way anymore. Not true. There's there's an increased risk of insulin resistance, which is a risk factor for developing type 2 diabetes, right? Um, Which happens during the onset of menopause. You know, estrogen is a protective factor for a lot of health issues that aren't around pre-menopause. Mm-hmm. But cutting carbs isn't helpful for that anyway. So they just take these, you know, truths about what's going on. Your body is changing, you know, um, things are coming up, your health is declining, and they spin it to make it sound like you should absolutely be doing this one thing. It's like, you know, you're, you're, it's this, I see the same thing with, um, metabolism all the time as well Mm -hmm. that your metabolism is drastically different you're it's basically completely slowed down and you need to reboot it and then funnily enough they're selling some metabolism reboot at the end (laughs) (laughs) and you're just like that isn't necessarily the case either we know that um you know muscle mass starts declining at the age like past the age of 30 right um and that muscle is more metabolically active, but it's very negligible in terms of calories. It's not the reason that you're not losing weight. There is some evidence now to suggest that metabolic rate might slow slightly due to declining estrogen as well. Um, It's not like massive in the evidence yet. Um, But again, negligible calories, like we're talking between 50 and 100 calories. um, And that is simply not the reason that you, you, you're struggling to lose weight. There's so many other reasons going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say the second myth before I go absolutely yeah. into the dark hole of myth busting in menopause because I could be here all day. Um, I know. I was like, is she going to be able to come up with three? Because I feel like there is probably millions. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I did that one. That encompasses all of the 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 yes stuff, like cut carbs and fix your metabolism and you should be fasting all of those all myths but yeah um yeah i do sometimes i don't even know where to start Mm -hmm. i think one thing is one myth that's quite helpful to bust here is weight gain in menopause is not inevitable it's 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 spoken about in such a way that make it seem like you're absolutely going to gain weight in menopause or that it's like it's like cause and effect menopause makes you gain weight Mm -hmm. and it's not it's not necessarily, that's not necessarily the case, right? Um, and it makes women feel like they're broken. It makes women feel like they need fixing or that they need this magic fat loss formula um, that's usually being pitched by a coach or an influencer. Um, and I've had women come to me who are trying all the things, like all the tried and tested methods that used to work back in the day. And so it makes you feel like, well, there must be something else going on right now. It must be menopause that is stopping me from losing weight, but it's more about the indirect effect that hormones are having on your eating habits, on your movement. In other words, it's still energy balance. It's not that menopause makes you gain weight or that you hit this time and there's just something else going on that's just making you to cause weight. Now we do see a shift in redistribution of body fat, right? Yeah. So that's when your body starts storing your body fat more towards your midsection Mm -hmm. and that can be incredibly frustrating because you know we've spent our lives being told that we need to have a flat stomach as women and so it feels almost unfair that 
now your body is just biologically programmed to start storing that in your midsection Mm -hmm. and that's when you'll start seeing like marketing towards the menopause belly and really shameful tactics like that um and so it's not inevitable um and it's not that menopause just automatically means weight gain there's just a lot going on indirectly that impact energy balance and like calorie consumption and also your ability just to be consistent with habits and movement and routine like that. And it's also happening during most often, right? I have actually, I do have clients in their thirties. I used to have clients earlier who were in medical menopause, right? Um, But most of the time it's happening in your forties and fifties when there's a huge amount going on in your life. You know, when you've got possibly got young kids as well or when your children are leave like leaving home like there's those two different kind of um happenings when there's a lot of stress when you're at the pinnacle of your career all of these things are going on as well right Mm -hmm. and you might have been yo-yo dieting for decades as well a lot of my clients have been and that adds an extra level of complexity to losing weight whilst you've also got a whole load of symptoms going on mm-hmm. and so that's just one of the myths is that weight gain is inevitable and it's just it's like menopause equals weight gain or there's something biologically going on that it's like you can't do anything about it yeah that's- I think that's a really good one to bust because I think even if someone who isn't going through menopause you can always become fearful that like when you get to that age that is going to start happening you know mm-hmm. um so yeah okay yeah yeah and i mean some of the research in terms of like um so so menopause isn't necessarily natural as in it doesn't necessarily happen at the ages of you know the average age of of 45 and menopause happening at 51 like that it doesn't necessarily happen that way you know for a lot of women and girls there are teenagers in their menopause transition as well mm-hmm. um who have primary ovarian insufficiency right and so they have entered like an early menopause um and there's no association of weight gain in primary ovarian insufficiency as well mm-hmm. so there's 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 kind of like a lot to kind of dispel that myth i think the third myth though is hrt um it's not necessarily a fix-all mm-hmm. um, or a panacea that people think. Um, don't get me wrong, like, it is incredibly, incredibly helpful for so, so many of my clients and that most of my clients are on HRT, right? But some women can't take it. And so they feel left out. Some women can't tolerate hormones that well, and it makes them feel worse. Yeah. And whilst, yes, it can take a while to get the dosing right, and so some women just pull the plug rather than going back to their doctor and correcting things. Some women in different parts of the world can't get hold of certain hormones like testosterone that other people can, but there are ways to support your health, your symptoms, and still lose body fat if that's important to you, if you can't take HRT. Um, so HRT supports symptoms and some of the health risks associated with declining estrogen, but it's not a solve everything mm-hmm. thing, right? And you know, I've got a lot of women coming to me, I, I don't want to take HRT, but I'm, terrif- I'm, I'm terrified. But there, some of them are also terrified of taking HRT because they feel like they need to, they're missing out on something because it's all that's spoken about now is HRT, HRT, HRT. Um, but there's actually a lot of things that you can do to support yourself if you don't want to go down that route or quite simply, you don't, you don't tolerate it very well. Um, I've got some clients who 
were taking estrogen and progesterone and it just made them feel absolutely terrible. And as soon as they came off it, it was like within 20 minutes, they were just like back to back to being normal again. Um, And this was after persevering for quite a long time. And so, yeah, HRT is important for a lot of people and it's absolutely worth considering, but it's not necessarily a fix all and it doesn't work for everybody. And so if you're one of those people that it doesn't work for, that's really, that's quite normal. Um, And there are other things that you can do that you can still support yourself and you can still, you know, get the benefits of, of, of these, of these things as well. You're not completely missing out. But yeah, that was just a third myth. I like them. They're good. Thank you for the little myth busting session. (laughs) Um, Okay. So if somebody was experiencing menopausal symptoms, what would you say some of the barriers are some of the barriers that they may face when it comes to trying to stick to some kind of nutrition and exercise routine, like what makes it harder? Um, I think the most, one of the most obvious ones, it might not be obvious, but like one of the most impactful ones would be fatigue and poor sleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is one that is most of the work that I do with my clients is around kind of like navigating wakefulness and poor sleep um and fatigue in general even if like poor sleep isn't going on because it's really tough to make you know healthful choices when you feel like you've been run over by a bus right Mm -hmm. I've, I've been there right um it's really really tough and then you get into this cycle because you want to reach for comfort foods and you don't feel like making a healthful dinner you just order takeout or you grab what you can or you're just picking all day you're not you there's no regular meal structure there because you can't bring yourself to do it um and then you get you feel even worse right because then you're not nourishing your body and you almost get into this cycle where I'm exhausted I'm too exhausted to cook but I'm now exhausted because I'm too exhausted to cook (laughs) yeah Uh, and with that, you know, I think there's a there's a few ways that I I approach this as clients, and obviously it's very individualized. Everybody's different, you know. Everyone might have a different reason why they're not sleeping in 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 perimenopause or postmenopause. Like it could be anxiety induced, right? It mm. could be stress related. It could be hot flashes and night sweats. It could be bladder issues, like what I had. Mm. Um, there are so many things, and so an individualized approach is really really important. Um, you know, I don't like making blank making blanket recommendations. But let's say you're someone who is really, really struggling with fatigue and possibly poor sleep, right? That's going to ha- also have an impact on your hunger levels. And so you might feel hungrier. Um, and that might then also be impacting your fat loss journey, your ability to be consistent with eating habits um, and snacking and things like that. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of two ways to look at it. You can support yourself like during the day when you've like with your food choices and with your hunger and that's things like making sure that you're eating a solid protein source like with every meal that your meals are high in volume and really satiating they're high in fiber that you're hitting 30 grams of fiber a day and you're eating regular meals don't skip meals um skipping breakfast and things like that even if you're not hungry like i encourage my clients to do this because it does set them up for success later on in the day when you know, that 3 p.m. crash hits and things like that. Um, so supporting your hunger as best you can with things like that. 
you know, especially if you're struggling with sleep at the minute. Um, and then there's also supporting sleep hygiene. So there's actually trying to, to support yourself with the poor sleep or the fatigue that's going on. And um, but that might be HRT for you, right? That, that might be worth exploring if that's not a route that you've been down yet for exhaustion and fatigue. And especially if night sweats are impacting your sleep, then maybe seeking HRT there because we know that HRT for vasomotor symptoms. So that's things like hot flashes and increased heart rate and, um, night sweats Mm -hmm. is really, really effective. Um, there's also a new treatment out for HR, um, for hot flashes as well, actually, but yeah, consider like getting clinical support for that, but also, you know, like managing it, like having a better Bed, bedtime routine, right? Are you doing all the things for sleep hygiene that you know are important? Or like me before I came on this podcast, are you playing on your phone? Are you playing <laughs> on eight all until half 11 at night and then wondering why you can't get to sleep? Have you skipped your journaling or, you know, getting those thoughts out onto paper, especially if you're struggling with feelings of anxiety? Um, you know, can you support your sleep hygiene there? So there's kind of like two things. Can you just make life a bit easier on yourself when in the daytime like having just really easy to easy to prep foods Mm. just taking five minutes to make some overnight oats for the next few days so that in jars you don't even have to think about breakfast can you just have some really easy to throw together packet grains or you know like the microwavable grains really easy just to build um a nourishing meal but that doesn't feel like you have to cook and slave away over dinner mm. um just taking some of the decisions out of your day especially if you're a mum and you have everybody to cook for you know that's really tough as well when you're struggling with sleep deprivation sleep deprivation is it's tough yeah. um so that's one of the biggest things i find um because that's also going to impact your exercise routine and your movement as well yeah um yeah it's true it has such an impact on everything in your day when you don't get yeah. any sleep so yeah yeah one of the other common things that i see is like joint aches and pains impacting exercise and and ability to cut, just get up and move as well which will have an impact on your fat loss journey but also can just be having an impact on your mental health because if you can't get out and walk you can't get out and exercise mm. and you just feel sore and then you might also be experiencing sleep issues and that just has a double whammy when it comes to the recovery of you know your muscles and um, your joints that could be really tough um one thing I actually recommend my clients again this is not a blanket recommendation but something that they have found helpful that there is a little bit of research on is um turmeric supplementation there so that's always worth trying um but also HRT again like definitely worth talking to about that again like making sure you're doing the best that you can for you know recovery just as a bare minimum as well especially if you're training um I'm trying to think what other symptoms I'm, I'm thinking but I think there's a lot of things right there are so many symptoms and I yeah. think one of the biggest things that impacts actually people's eating behaviors especially that I see in my clients is just feeling alone like feeling like you really just don't know what's going on in your body feeling disconnected you know especially if your your kind of you've got like a lot of menopause rage going on as well right so you're Mm. really short-circuited and a bit dysregulated like you're really snappy and maybe 
you snap at your husband, you snap at your partner, you, you just get these bouts of rage that come out of nowhere. And you feel, it feels really shameful. Like you feel quite ashamed of yourself. You don't recognize yourself. This is something I see all the time with my clients, right? Um, and yes, you might be really good at saying sorry to your kids, maybe not so much your partner. Um, <laughs> In your head like, you are, but not out loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but that as well. And then you just feel like you don't recognize yourself and you feel really alone. And that can really impact your eating habits. Um, you know, it might not be that obvious, but emotional eating is definitely can increase in your menopause transition, um, from feel like feelings like this, um, mm. from the difficulty of regulating your emotions, um, when hormones are just all over the place. And I'll add as well, like your hormones aren't going through like a really casual, steady decline, like you know, in perimenopause, they are fluctuating as like up and down like a yo-yo. And sometimes they might, your um, hormone levels might actually be higher than premenopause, right? So if we imagine premenopause, your hormones are pretty much following um, after, um, after puberty, they're following quite a steady straight line, right? Mm. When you hit perimenopause, it looks like um, you know, one of those heart rate graphs that's just going up and down at the on um, casualty or yeah. on, on on the TV or whatever. <laughs> and I don't know what like you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't explain that very well. But they might be higher, then they might be lower, then they might be higher, then they might be lower, and then you know, then there's like a there's a gradual decline downwards. But perimenopause is like a time of hormone chaos, basically. Mm. Um, and so you might be going through periods where you feel fine. You know, everything's cool. I've got everything under control. And then you just enter this period of like being snappy, being rageful, really like a lot of symptoms cracking off at one time. You just don't know how to cope. Um, and then that comes at a time when you're really, really stressed in life as well. And you just get this double whammy because um, stress can really impact symptoms. Mm. Um, and that's really, really tough to handle. The unpredictability of perimenopause is really, really difficult to handle. And that's why, you know, we see increased emotional eating, increased comfort eating, um more snacking and, and things like that and in terms of kind of support with that again i would look at you know clinical options like hrt um to regulate mood especially if you're experiencing feelings of anxiety or depressive symptoms as well i would definitely look at getting support with that i mean there's support outside of hrt you know like cognitive behavioral therapy and 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 things like that antidepressants again you know a lot of people bash them mm. but that they're, they're suggested for a reason and they actually might be quite helpful yeah. um so that but also just what are you doing for to help you regulate your emotions like what are you doing to support yourself um are you just someone that and i see this a lot in women but you're just like i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine and you put everybody else before yourself mm. and you are just the last person that gets a seeing to, right? You're the last, you're the, you're just the bottom of the pile and you feel resentful and you feel stressed all of the time. You feel like you've got a million and one things on your plate and you don't want to reach out for support, whether that be a coach or a professional or whether it just be, you know, explaining to your friend or your partner just to take some of the load off of you or, you know, whatever. Mm. What are you doing to support your stress levels and giving yourself what you need? Like 
in terms of being able to regulate your emotions better um and i'm not saying everybody is emotional eating but a lot you know yeah a lot a lot of our coping mechanisms um are with food and, and reaching for food and when you're going through such a difficult time and such an unpredictable time like you're not alone in in reaching for um for comfort foods like this is really really common um and so you know take a look at what what need are you trying to meet like with food and is there a more helpful go-to like building out your toolbox for what you need and just just start honestly just ask yourself the question what do I need right now yeah like what do I need this week what do I what do I need like I've got a you know I said to you I've got a really stressful two weeks coming up Mm. um and so I I now in the practice of you know I was always someone just push through don't stop just push through push through push through I'd get to the end of it and I'd be burnt out as anything Mm. I would be an awful human being to be around and rather than that I just stop now and just say right, what am I going to need over this next two weeks what stresses are coming up you know what do I have in place like what what am I go to because I used to be an emotional eater I used to just you could I I was one of those people that just could not have chocolate around me um who just anything that happens it would just be straight in the cupboard and it wasn't helpful it's was like a temporary a temporary fix right mm. um and it's developing tools outside of food, meeting those needs with more helpful, more helpful things. Even if like sometimes it was just, I need to just say no a bit more this this next couple of mm. weeks. I need to create a bit more space for myself. And then I won't be reaching in the cupboards for X, Y, and Z. But it's yeah. more just about asking yourself, what do you need? And start taking the reins back. Start putting yourself first a bit more. Mm. Stop saying you're fine because you're not <laughs> fine. Um you know, just start asking yourself, like, what do you need? What's really going on? Um, yeah, I often say that to my own clients who struggle with emotional eating in general. It's like, just create that pause for yourself to not just react. Like, don't just go from, you know, the trigger to the reaction and put like a bit of a pause in place. And for me, that's always like taking myself out for a walk or just out of the environment that I'm in. Yeah. And that helps yeah. me gain perspective on what yeah. I need, you know? Um, yeah. And that's the most difficult thing. Pausing is the most difficult thing to do, especially if you're in perimenopause and you've probably got a million and one things going on in your life. Like you've got mm. kids to juggle, a household to juggle, career to juggle. You, you can often find yourself on autopilot. You know, you just one thing to the next, one thing to the next. There's not even a pause in your day, let alone a pause before you like in a in a really heated mm. moment. One of my, because you asked me about um, like a quote or whatever, but one thing I'm getting tattooed on me is slow down. So I had, um, we're going to start, I'm going to start going off on a tangent now. (laughs) An an ex, an ex's mother once told me years ago, but it was a decade ago. She was like, Annie, you need to slow down. Like, you need to slow down. We'd broken up at this point. This is like my last time of, of ever seeing her. I think it was around my university years. And she was like, you need, you just need to slow down. And I was like, huh, yeah, probably so do. Right. And that's <laughs> something I have applied. I, I tell myself every day, slow down, just slow down. Take a, take a damn breath, girl. Like mm-hmm. take a breath because how on earth am I supposed to stop and respond and choose something more healthful 
be it, you know, in terms of food, just being in terms of an action, you know, like not going to the cupboard and emotional eating. How am I supposed to do any of those things? Am I supposed to look after myself if I am just on 10 times speed all of the time? If there's not a single moment in my day where I'm carving out just that pause and awareness, because awareness comes from just slowing down and stopping and pausing. Mm. And awareness is one of the most important things that we need to change any behavior, to change any habit, be it around food or whatever. Um, so just, yeah. <laughs> so we all need down. that like tattooed on our foreheads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just remind yourself, just slow down today. And I mean, I, I say this to clients all the time, but you know, if mindfulness just doesn't feel that accessible for you right now to sit down and do a 20 minute meditation, mm-hmm. absolutely fine. But how can we just carve out one mindful moment, just five minutes to just slow down and take a breath? And just come back to you and just listen to Mm. your body. Just five minutes today. I do it when I'm brushing my, if I know I'm really busy, I'm just like, where can I just weave in some mindful moments today and just slow down a bit? When I'm brushing my teeth, I've got to brush my teeth for two minutes. There's time on that thing. And it's like, I've, that's two minutes. I could be just breathing into my belly, right? Mm. And just coming back, like just calming down a bit, de-stressing, um, I've spoken to my clients about this before. One of them came up with um, a mindful wee. So like when you go for a wee, you literally shut the door, you sit down, and then you just take the moment to have your wee. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) So now everyone was going, uh, even at work, like when you might be in an office and you can't take that moment because there's loads of people around you, like just walking to the toilet and Mm. having that minute for yourself. My one of my clients has like three kids and she said this is literally she was like I I'm texting you from the toilet she's like I'm just locked myself in the cubicle I'm just taking five minutes and this is what that looks like today and I'm like fine fine by me I was like yeah. somebody's taking it his intentions there I mean I could do that I mean my bladder symptoms I could be I could have about 50 mindful moments there today. we go <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love a reframe um but yeah that wraps that up I suppose yeah definitely um Okay, so I always like to end the podcast on a little fun ask me anything question um, with anyone that I have on. So have you got any questions for me? Okay, this is only because I dreamt about being a Roman last night. And it's because (laughs) I've been reading a book about Romans. It's a fictional book, but I don't even know. So right. So there's a here's my question. What period of history would you prefer to live in? like go back and live in and why you know I've always said the 20s because have you watched like Peaky Blinders yeah (laughs) I just love like all of that you Um, just go seek out Killian Murphy somewhere yeah yeah all the clothes like think they're really cool um yeah the 20s that's a really cool question (laughs) I can I can see you in like you know a fur throw as well you've got like that look that really just like um gorgeous like look I can imagine your hair art yeah I I'm with that I'm so with that what would you what um what part of history would you go back to oh god i, I mean no, no, i just go be a bug in the dinosaur times and just watch all the dinosaurs because i truly don't believe that that shit happened really <laughs> well i do obviously i'm a scientist but like i mean how mind-blowing um so i'd probably just go be a bug and um chill on a tree and just watch the dinosaurs yeah nice <laughs> i definitely wouldn't be a roman based on last night's experience no. jesus <laughs> 
Okay, and I absolutely love a quote. They really resonate with me. I, yeah, I love them. So what is your favorite motivational quote and why? I had to think about this. My big brother um, sends me a motivational quote every morning. Um, oh, does he? <laughs> really I, need, my, I need to get my brother to start doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's very, oh, I don't even know what he's on one. But yeah, the one that he sent me today, I didn't really resonate with, so I'm not going to share that. But mine would be, if your compassion does not include yourself, it is incomplete. And I'm a big believer in self-compassion and I had to dose it out so hard during well like everything I've been through over the last few weeks in terms of like my body but I think it's just something we don't practice often enough and especially as you know I'm a compassionate coach right I'll say that but if my compassion doesn't extend to myself how can I support you know other people mm. compassionately and therefore it's it's incomplete I'm not a compassionate human if I am not extending that towards myself and I was someone who are oh, like I always thought the meaner I am to myself that, you know, the harsher I speak to myself, the more successful I'll be. Right. And it couldn't be further from the truth. And I have flipped that script so hard over the last few years. Um, and, you know, I'm trained in compassion as well. And I still have to practice that every single day. Um, but slowly and surely, and especially like when your body starts changing as well, and you can feel like really just out of place with it, and maybe you've grown up eating your body and now perimenopause or menopause is, is throwing a whole load more stuff your way um or you're having a really difficult time navigating fluctuating hormones and a really crappy healthcare system and all of those things like you're not alone like you're you're not alone there mm -hmm. um but you know compassion all the way like if you especially if you're someone that tends to put everyone else's needs before their own like just remember that quote if your compassion does not include yourself it's incomplete Love um that's yeah really that's enjoyed that thank you likewise um so i know that obviously your instagram is filled with lots of tips around nutrition fat loss menopause so where can people find you if they would like to know more um so my instagram handle is at a ellis nutrition um or i think you can probably just search annie menopause and it'll come up um that's probably where i'm most active possibly not over the next couple of weeks but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah there it's the same on tiktok um if you like that platform i don't but <laughs> oh, i wish i did but i don't <laughs> oh, yeah yeah so so that we've also got our own podcast um I do, I run a podcast with Bex, who's another coach um, called Diets Redefined. Okay. So if you fancy that as well, you can hear, hear a little bit more of me on that. Um, but yeah, Inst Instagram, where it's at? Instagram's where it's at. Ah, oh, well, thank you so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed just hearing your perspective and all of the useful bits of advice that you have given us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. So I hope you guys enjoyed the amazing amount of information that was in this podcast. If you have found it helpful, please pop me a DM on Instagram. My Instagram is lift by Lucy Victoria. I am always so grateful to hear feedback and how these podcasts have helped you. Equally, if you want to show us where you're listening, tag me, tag Annie over on your Instagram stories, um, because again, would love to see it. So I hope you all have fantastic weeks and I look forward to seeing you next week for another episode of your weekly lift. Chat soon.